What is going on, everybody? This is Trey Wynn, and welcome back to another episode of Tighten Up Talk with myself and Ballin Ali. Man, what a week. Had a rough weekend this weekend at Nissan Stadium for all those that were there or watching at home. We will actually dive deep into that conversation as far as where do we go from here, what needs to happen as far as offensive line. We're talking about Mike Vrabel, obviously, as of the time of our recording. Cairo Santos has been relieved of his duties for the Nashville football squad, if you will. Uh, talked about some drop balls. Uh, I have a special rant, if you will. Uh, I'm going to put Blaine Bishop on blast for some lazy opinions, uh, and, uh, and we'll talk about some other things as well. But make sure for all those who are new to our podcast, please subscribe. If you want to be a part of the podcast, we want to invite you. You can call 423-380-9096 and leave a voicemail. Be a part of this and give your opinions, your questions, concerns, whatever you've got. want to make sure and invite you there. But if you're new to us, Check out chat10sports.com online. You can find all of our podcast feeds wherever you listen. Find our social media feeds so you can interact with us all online. And, of course, you can read our most recent articles. But without further ado, folks, we hope you are doing great. We want to say tighten up and enjoy the podcast. All right. Well, let's get this thing off, brother. Um, obviously, for all those listening, this is the Monday after the Bills lost to the t- the uh, the Titans lost to the Bills, I should say. Um, yeah, we're both still recovering. Bon, how are you, man? Man, I'm sad, frustrated, Debbie Downer. Whatever sad term you want to use, I, that that describes me fully. I hear you, and it's funny because we're, we. Obviously, for all those listening, we have a, an outline that we make and, and kind of hit topics that we want to explore. But right now, we're starting off. Cairo Santos, we had the, the outline note of saying, is, do you cut him or you keep him? But about an hour hour and some change ago, he's gone. He gone. gone. He out of here. He Which, on the first flight out of Nashville. Yeah, I'm sure he – I'm sure he – Obviously, he probably knew it was coming, but yeah, the only downside to it is now the rumor has it per Ian Rappaport is that Cody Parkey, uh, infamous Bears kicker who double doinked it last year. I think it was last year yeah, uh, the in the playoffs. So very much Titans moves. Uh, it's good to see him cut Kairos, but we all kind of know in the back of our mind, like Ryan Suckup's back week number nine. So... We'll see what happens with Cody Parkey, but um, let's just jump right into the Bills. Obviously, let's start. Bills Mafia Man. took over Nissan Stadium. And Dude, took... I'm... Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. No, no, I'm not going to interrupt just... you. I promise. Yeah, we're good. Just thinking out loud, but it's one of those things that they really genuinely, and I love Titans fans. There's a lot of people that we've gotten to know, but they straight up embarrassed Titans fans by filling up their own stadium. Um, if you watched the broadcast, I'm sure you saw it. They talked about it. You heard them on, you know, successful plays for the Bills. It sounded similar to a home game, uh, and it was I mean, one of those we were things. There. Yeah, we were. Yeah, we were sitting in section 140, <laughs> and uh, yeah. yeah, I don't want to be long winded because I know that's my my side of it. But what did you think about the Bills Mafia? Man, first of all, um, they traveled like crazy down here. Um, I personally, in my, all my, I mean, in all my life of being a Titans fan, this was probably the first time I was truly embarrassed, uh, to be a Titans fan, um, from our tailgate where we typically tailgate, um, never had seen so many opposing teams fans right next to us. Right. Uh, they came out in full forces, um, and everything like that. But I mean. Shout out to them. Uh, they're three and one. They they four. The Bills four are hu- now. No, they're four and one now. They were three and one, but when they came to Nashville, uh, they trouble in full forces, especially when they have a good team. Um, but Titans fans, we gotta do better. We gotta show up in our own stadium. This is horrible. Um, like the like the showout that we had, that was that was horrible. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. Win, lose, or draw. I'm gonna be in my seats. I'm gonna be in the stadium. But come on, we gotta do better than that. I get yeah. it. We gotta get a winning product on the field before people start showing up. But when we get outnumbered in our own stadium, that's embarrassing. Right. Um, no. but I do wanna give a another shout out to Bill's Mafia. When they were at our tailgate, they came to our tent. 
uh, had one guy, uh, there were four guys in life jackets. I had one guy come to me and was like, yeah, man, uh, we got these tables right here. Um, you're going to be my first victim. I'm going to slam you on this. I was like, nah, buddy. doesn't work like that. You're an Artel. Not happening. Uh, so long story short, um, the guys go back to their area. Uh, I'm talking to a couple people at our, in, in our tent area called the D-Spot. Uh, at the D-Spot, we were chatting about it. I was like, man, I'm going to go get that guy. I'm going to just slam him on that table they have laid out. So I run over there. I pick him up by his shoulders and just go, whoop. Um, it was pretty awesome. Uh, the guy did not expect me to pick, be able to pick him up. Uh, for the uh, for the, for the people that are listening that don't know this, I do a lot of weightlifting, so I am kind of an athlete. So that would did not shock me, but it just helped boost my ego a little bit more. Uh, so I got him the, yeah, I got him the first time. He he was a good sport about it. Then they they were I went back to our area and I saw them fixing the table and I saw nobody had that recorded because everybody was caught by surprise. They did not expect me to do that. So I went back in the second time when they were fixing up the table to figure refix it. I picked up the guy and just that's when I slammed him again and broke the table for good. That's one of the tables that they had. So you um, slammed him multiple times. I slammed him twice. I slammed the guy twice. So they, well, they videoed the second time. The video the second time. It is on my Twitter profile. So if you guys want to see it, check out my Twitter account and you will definitely see that. Uh, but yeah, the guy kept on threatening me like, hey, I'm going to slam you. I was like, nah, buddy, you're in my town. I don't care how many of y'all there is, but you're not going to get me. Uh, so, it you was, know, I, had, I had to do one for the Titans Nation. For the boys. Yeah, no, the, yeah, uh, the, the Bills Mafia crew next to the D spot. I mean, it was – I mean, they they showed out. And I know a lot of Titans fans, and, and just to kind of spark the conversation here of a lot of – I know Lawan talked about it after the game yesterday, but a lot of fans have been vocal about selling tickets and they're always going to break your heart. You never know what you're going to get. And even right now, looking at Broncos next week, like – I would not be shocked in the slightest if these guys, the Titans, come out and have a Browns or or Falcons or Philly or Dallas, New England of last year type of game. Um, and it's weird, man, because – and I'll get your opinion on this too, Bon, but it just seems to me if you fix the offensive line issue and obviously the kicker issue is a, just kind of a side note now that Kairos is gone or Cairo, I don't know if it's plural – uh, but now that he's gone, you fix the offensive line issue, and we've seen it. Browns game, Falcons game, the offensive line did their job and did it pretty well in those games, and Marcus played his game. Receivers got the yak yards, got the touchdowns, and, and was it perfect? No, but it's one of those things. Yesterday, like we, we talked about this at the game, Bon, or maybe it was my brother or not. It felt like the, the Bills beat us 35-7, to and you look at the Correct. scoreboard, and it was 14-7. to It's like, guys, we can't get – like, it's almost frustrating to the point where it's like, guys, we can't get a damn touchdown, let alone sure. when we did. And I, I'll go to, I'll go die on a hill for this one. Marcus Mariota did not step over that line because the rules, and I actually put this up on Twitter a minute ago, the rule states, and I'm, I'm not going to go like column C, you know, Article 7, but the fact is, it has to be the entire body that went over the line. Uh, and A to Z Sports, shout out to those guys. They have it kind of slowed down and in slow-mo on Twitter, which I've diagnosed. And I know Jonathan Hutton today as well on Midday 180, you know, kind of sparked the conversation for it. But a lot of people looked at it and said, well, you know, they made the right call. They 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 uh, challenged the scoring, you know, play, which they're supposed to. Obviously, they did that. Uh, but his entire body, you can actually see it in the replay. His right heel, which he planted on on the line of scrimmage, as he released that ball, his heel is still – it's a technicality, absolutely, but his heel is still on that line. Uh, mm -hmm. So that, that negates that touchdown. But did you think what, – what was your take on that one, on, on uh, this call, ball? I mean, when we saw it on the field, I was like, yeah, there's no way. That's a touchdown. Like, his whole foot was not off. Um, I mean, officiating on both sides of the ball – uh, against the Titans and against the Bills, the calls were very questionable. Mm -hmm. um, the, I mean, Bills got more calls than we did, but when it comes to that certain play, yeah, that definitely pff, moment it killed momentum. Um, that was a touchdown that was brought back. Um, I mean, that should have been six. We should have right. had that lead when it go uh, when it goes in. But I mean, not trying to make excuses for the Titans, but they had so many other opportunities. Mm -hmm. um, I mean. 
a kicker kicks all four kicks, we don't win that game. Right. Uh, but I mean, it's just the thing is the inconsistency is what's killing us. Um, look how great the O line played last week, and look how horrible they played this week. Right. Um, I mean, I, the past couple of podcasts we've been talking about a certain individual. Yeah. Uh, number seventy-seven. We worried about him not coming back ready, not coming back in shape. Um, hey, the past couple of weeks, my point has been proven. Right. Um, he. It seems like he was more focused on busting with the boys or his uh, drinking his seltzers instead of being ready for the Bills. Well, and for all those listening, let me just jump in and give you that credit because we were at the game talking about this, and my brother, shout out to him, he was there with us in 140. Mm -hmm. But we all knew that that Lawan would have some type of rust and he would not be mid-form or, you know, four-week form uh, Mm -hmm. like everybody else that was playing. But Bowen, for the last two weeks, and even at times, I kind of chuckled thinking, are you talking about him being out of shape, like cardiovascular shape? But obviously, he looked he looked out of shape in the sense of he wasn't game ready. But he also, I mean, and Ball, and you shared this with me on Twitter. A, a Buffalo Bills fan kind of went pick by pick since, or I guess play by play. Uh, but today, obviously, Taylor Lewan decided to throw some mud towards uh, Shaq, Shaq Lawson, and I forget who the other player was. But uh, it was kind of a James Phillips. Yeah, kind of a Twitter spat, but. Um, I mean, LaJuan got smoked. He got smoked. And secondly, like I said, before anybody attacks me, yesterday I was rocking a 77. Um, I do have a LaJuan jersey. I'm a big supporter of LaJuan, even though he's a Michigan guy. Um, But he has that Titans jersey on. But he looked – he didn't – he was not able to read those twists and turns that they were having. It just – it just seemed like he was not mentally ready. Like, yeah. if you were suspended for four weeks for using steroids, don't you think you would be watching film of your first opponent every single week to make sure you're ready for that? Like, you it's just, it's, it's just, hard to say it, that he didn't do all that. Like, that's just to chime but in. But Trey, but uh, Trey, as, as a fan base, as a fan base, when you have your star left tackle suspended for using PEDs, don't you think it would make logical sense? For him to talk about that, look at the like show that he was doing that. But I mean, he could have did that in his private time. But I, us as a fan base, I'm disappointed in 77. Yeah. Um, it's it's bad. Like when your star left tackle cannot win one on one box, and he's getting paid the highest highest money for a left tackle in the league. Mm-hmm. That's bad. Well, one of I think he I yeah, think he's and, been eclipsed now, but yeah, he's yeah one been of. up there. Uh, but I mean, and then secondly, how he talks about that he's maturing and growing up. Personally, he's not. He's still childish. Like that's if if I had a bad game against somebody that kicked my butt on the field, I would not be trying to drag him on Twitter. I'll just let it go. He literally is trying to track this guy on Twitter, but he's looking bad because he he got destroyed on the field. Um. So I mean, like I said, I hope I hope. What we talked about earlier. Um, I hope I'm wrong in the next couple of weeks, but it just seems like I'm throwing this conspiracy out there. But it mm-hmm. just seems like he might have used steroids to get his money. But I hope I'm wrong. I hope That's in a, a couple fact. weeks, a couple weeks, he comes like next week. He plays Von Miller and he shuts him down. But I, like I said, I hope I'm wrong. That's a, but that's a big, that's a big old bad guy on the other side of that ball. And absolutely. if he's gonna, if he's gonna prove him. Because here's the thing. I mean, I get I get why you're saying that. Obviously, Bernard Pollard came out and accused him of that right out the gate. Um, I expect Lawan to bounce back. I think he's obviously – if anyone's played – and, and you, you just said it yourself, you're an athlete, so you get – like there's times if you're away from the gym, you got to mm-hmm. come back and knock some rust off the throat Absolutely. the same way that you were throwing up. But at the same time, if the next three to four weeks does in, you know consist of him having the same – and i got it pulled up here for all those who have – you know, say what you will about pro football focus, but just to give a general idea of what he did yesterday, got a 35.7, which obviously is not as bad as Jamil Douglas's 12.4, but that was a 35.7 grade. For Um, the best, uh, one of the highest paid left tackles in the league is unacceptable. It is. 
It's unacceptable. But it's one of those things. I mean, that's about what you can say about it. And then where do you go from there? Like, you have to. And everyone said it yesterday after the game. Every player in the locker room during their presser and their locker room, you know, kind of talking to the media. We have to be better. We have to execute, except for what you got. We'll get to in a second with Roger Saffold. Um, but I expect Lawan. I, I don't want to, you know, to say, and, and I know someone this week kind of said, you were the hot take guy and I'm kind of the bring it back to reality guy, which I think that's why we compliment each other. I don't think your hot takes extremely out, far out there because this was the first to come up if he did not perform well, right? Absolutely. Like if he doesn't Absolutely. do well, the immediate question is, well, was the guy on PEDs? Like, well, what are we looking at here? I mean, if he got his money that way, that's a huge, it's not an accusation that we're trying to make, but it's simply a, I think it's simply a point to be made to look for in the next month to give him a generous amount of time to get back on track. But um, I mean, something we did talk about. He doesn't have easy matchups coming up either. He has Vaughn Miller not. coming up. He has Joey Bosa the week after. Um, well, Melvin Ingram yeah, too. Melvin I mean, they, Ingram and Joey Bosa. Yeah, he does not have easy matchups. But, I mean, you expect the type of left tackle that you pay him to be for him to go out there and perform top tier that he can play he's these definitely guys definitely going to make a heart of himself, for sure. Yeah, absolutely, um, absolutely. But, and, but something we talked about, and, and this has been a conversation on Twitter, but even today, since Mike Vrabel did address it specifically, and shout out to a lot of the media who asked some pretty tough questions today for Vrabel. Um, but, yeah, but, shout out to the media for that, and Vrabel handled it so wrong. Like, you think so? Yeah, he, he was avoiding questions left and right. Like he was going around the bush on multiple questions. I think it's kind of coach speak, but I'm kind of getting sick of the coach speak. Hey, if you were four and one, okay, cool. But you're two and three, bro. With Vrabel's pressure today, I think, yeah, there's a lot of coach speak. I think he's to the point. And I honestly think that we are starting to see the nuts and the bolts of what Vrabel is as a coach. We've had him for a year now. It's been inconsistent. This is probably – I don't know if it's because of the Marcus Mariota conversation and fans are really starting to vocalize their dissatisfaction. Obviously, the media, uh, radio stations in Nashville have brought it up. But there there are times I want Vrabel to kind of cut the, the, the coach speak act and speak honestly of saying, you know, which I guess they kind of did today with Cairo Santos getting cut. Um, I still th- – this is what – I don't – I'm thinking all the sacks this year – for Keith Carter to still have a job, in my opinion, and it really – it was a gut shot to me today because I know the the, pre, the media did ask specifically about his performance and how confident Vrabel was uh, with Keith Carter's performance. And Vrabel comes back and says, I'm very confident. And I'm thinking, man – and he, I think he even mentioned about how his son – he's like, as, as a father of an offensive line player, I'm very confident in what Keith can bring, which I guess alludes to the fact that he's seen other coaches do their thing. But – but, Bon, why – and let's just talk about this for a second, but why does Keith Carter still have a job? I have no idea. I'm, about, I, I'm sorry. I'm about to go on a vent right here. I have no idea why this guy has a job. He's never coached offensive linemen in the pros till he got to the Titans. Like, bro, like, dude, like, how is it possible? There's a certain play that I saw on Twitter, and I sent you a picture of it, where you're starting right – are flying to try to protect somebody that is all coaching Keith Carter should not be employed by the Tennessee Titans he should not be employed as offensive line coach like it blows my mind why it does this guy have a job in Nashville like Russ Grimm Russ Grimm as much as we hate the malarkey system Russ Grimm, bro, he brought it every day that man that oh I never would have given up eight nine sacks a game like it blows my mind why this skinny pencil neck is coaching offensive linemen here in the NFL, the NFL, the best in the league, and all this money that they have invested in his own line, it all goes back into coaching. And it, as a season ticket holder, as a person, you and I both spent so much money on this franchise, it blows my mind when your head coach says he is very confident in a position coach who is struggling when we say struggling, there's no way on earth one of your players should get a 12 grade, first of all. And you're starting 12. left. 4. <laughs> yeah, 12.4 grade. Anyway. Sorry. And, and you're starting left tackle, having a, a top-tier left tackle, having a 34 grade. That is all on coaching. I don't – that is 
full hundred percent on coaching. I've talked to a couple, like couple former NFL players that I knew growing up, competing against here in town. They talk about that. They're like, yes, that is a thousand percent coaching. That is coaching. I talked, I talked to a certain NFL player that played for the Falcons when, um, a former NFL player that played for the Falcons when uh, Keith Carter was the running back coach, and he was an offensive lineman. He told me he was like this cat. He knew what he was doing with the running backs, but he has no idea what's going on with the offensive lineman. Well, just to give some context for his his kind of tenure in the NFL, he started out in 2012 and 13 as a quality control coach uh, in Seattle. Between 15 and 17, he was in Atlanta. 15 to 16, he was the offensive uh, assistant offensive line coach. 17, the running backs coach. And then, of course, last year, he's the offensive line coach with the Titans. I don't know if his connect- connection to Vrabel, I don't know where they, where they cross paths. Uh, but right now, and, and I'll, I'll agree with you for the sake of preparation. Obviously, I think uh, even talking about Lawan and Shaq Lawson, uh, these guys specifically, the fact that Lawan was weak on inside stunts, and you saw there's a couple of different videos flowing around specifically of a of game film where they're they're running a stunt, and almost I think four out of five of the guys, Ben Jones was the one guy who ended up upright with his sp- specific defender uh, on the ground, and everyone else was in mass chaos, you know, running around trying to get their guy, and of course they got to Marcus. But Absolutely. to me, it's one of those things that if you watch enough film. And even when I was tweeting with somebody today about it, when I was in high school, I played left, I played right tackle, but every week we'd line up. And this is, again, I'm not comparing to this being the same thing as an NFL caliber team, but we would prepare by saying, Hey, we're playing this team this week. They got these kind of guys. This is what they're going for. This is their scheme. They like to do these types of things. They like to run these types of stunts. So when you see a guy creep up on the outside in the seventh, you know, in the seven technique spot, tackles doing this, guards doing that, and you run through situations. And to be honest, like I'm, I'm sitting here, and, and of course, when we're in, at the game in, in person, you can't see it as as intricately as you can as you're watching game film. But these are scenarios that now the Titans have put on film for other teams to say, hey, the Bills ran this down their throat and they could Absolutely. not handle it and we got five or six sacks on them, blah, blah, blah. And, and the same on the offense or the, the other side. You know, it's like these guys, I don't know at what point you have to take a step back and say, Keith Carter, look, we, we like you. I guess this is variable speaking. We like you. We want you to be here. I remember days of old, and I think Teresa Walker, you know, who works for the Associated Press, talked about this. She said, I remember the days when guys would give up five or six sacks one time, and they were fired. And this was way back when, I guess, Jeff Fisher days. But at some point, like, people got to start being accountable. And, yes, Cairo Santos is one, one, I guess, expendable player since, you know, Suckup will eventually be back here. Um, but yeah, I, to me, it's, it's, something's got to change. I don't know if they change up the lineup. I don't know if they start moving guys around, but what would you look at? I mean, what, what, if, if we're going to the next home game, what do you want to see to really bring your confidence back to be there? there my, my confidence being back up there. First of all, I need, uh, Keith Carter gone to me to build any kind of confidence in that. And going off of what Teresa talked about, uh, remember when Mike Munchak had Bruce Matthews as his O-line coach? Remember that? Yes. Yeah. And uh, how everybody was asking for Bruce, Bruce Matthews' head due to the fact that O-line was playing horrible. Um, Mike Reinfeld at the time asked Mike Munchak to let go of Bruce Matthews was one of his coaching changes, and he refused. That's when he resigned as a Titans head coach. I feel like I'm not asking for Vrabel to resign, or I'm not asking for a head coaching change. But – we have to hold Keith Carter to the same accountability because Keith Carter should not be on this team, frankly. And then secondly, um, the left side of the field, for me to be like, what I'm going to be looking for is, I know the midday 180 guys talked about it today, especially Jonathan Hudden. Uh, they talked about it where um, the left guard, Roger Saffold, mm-hmm. I don't care how much money this man is making. He is your weak point on that offensive line. Right. Move move Ben Jones to that right guard position and bench him. First of all, on the field speaks for itself. He cannot block somebody to save his life. And then secondly, I am getting tired of him 
coming and talking to the media after games, the day after games, talking about, especially with today, how he talked about, oh, I can't run the ball. I don't run the ball. I don't catch the ball. I don't throw the ball. I'm just one guy that is struggling offense. Bro, take some accountability. You're trash. You suck. And, Bowen, I've got the audio here. Let me play this for everybody listening. All right, and this has been a very hot, hot topic for a lot of Titans fans because obviously, like you mentioned a second ago, and his song and dance did change today, but the lack of accountability, a lot of people – I mean, he, he, he goes straight to saying this team has, has lacked consistency for a long time. And this is – like you mentioned, this is the guy. He's given up five sacks thus far this year. And, I mean, the, the, the responses on Twitter to this – and, again, shout out to A to Z Sports for the, uh, the, the video there. Um, but, I mean, everyone – people saying – uh, Turnpike Ike over here saying, bro, you let that MF or eat you alive. Be better. Other guys saying this team, quote, screams, quote, it ain't my fault. Uh, what you mentioned today, he, I, I get what he's saying today. I guess either he got a talking to by somebody, uh, got sat down and said, listen, man, I don't know how it's done out in L.A. I don't know if it's a dog-eat-dog world out there, but this is a team and we're not letting that shit in. Pardon my French there. But it's one of those things to me. I get what he's saying today as far as I I don't run the ball, I don't catch the ball, and it's the same thing that Lawan says. You know, I'm I'm the left tackle, I do this, I do that. And Roger Staffold, at the end of the day, I don't know, and, and again, guys are talking about it left and right. Do you move him? Do you bench him? Uh, because as much as we want Keith Carter gone and Vrabel's got confidence in him apparently for some reason, uh, do you start moving pieces around? And I know – just to get your take on this ball, and I've got mine, and I'll kind of throw you a, a fast one here. But if you had to move guys around on the offensive line, what would be your ideal five right now? Ideal five right now? You move Ben mm-hmm. Jones to left guard. You sign Corey Levine from the practice squad of the Broncos. Bring him in as your starting center. And you bench Jack Conklin and put Dennis Kelly right there. So you keep Nate Davis at right guard. Yeah, Nate Davis is not the problem. He clearly showed that last week. He's not yeah. the problem. You, I mean, he you, wasn't great. I mean, but we have I, we have more issues on that O line. Yeah, than, bigger problems. Yeah, I agree. Than Nate Davis, like that. It's or th- this scenario where you don't have to sign somebody off of anybody else's practice squad. You get Garasu as a starting center. Move Ben Jones to your left guard position. And Jack Conklin gets on the bench, and you move Dennis Kelly right there. There, I'm sorry, but Roger Saffold is literally reminding me of Andy Levitri 2.0, but worse. See, because and that's oh, an interesting. Let, let me finish on this one. He he's kind of worse because first of all, like consistency. This team has had consistency issues all throughout the past couple of years, dude. You were brought to Nashville to stop that consistency issue. The reason why they let Quinn Spain walk to Buffalo is because they wanted somebody to come play consistently. You were the reason why they brought you to Nashville for that consistency. All those excuses, like he he is he's the type of player that reminds me of he throws shade on somebody else, not on him. He's the greatest player ever. He doesn't do anything wrong. Like, bro, like start taking accountability. You're throwing your teammates under the bus, but what are you doing? Sorry, yeah. sorry, hey, Trey. I had to you, rant on that one. Roger Saffold hey. has my blood boiled up. Like, it just <laughs> and like it frustrates. Like in the, the corporate world that we work in, is if I make a mistake, I'm I'm taking accountability for it. I'm not going to put it back on nobody on my team. That's the same way and these see, players should be. I like, hey, when I like for example, in my, I'll compare it to my athletic days and my competition days. When I have a competition, and I have a teammate on my team and it's my fault that we lost, I am taking accountability for my mistake. I am not going to be like, oh, if you would have did that better, we would have won. No, I could have done better. 
I could have did this better. Not, hey, if if I I don't run the ball, I don't catch the ball, I don't throw the ball. Like, dude, you know, if you block for the person that's throwing the ball, the person that's running the ball, you will look a lot better. This offense looks a lot better if you're actually doing your job. Yeah. Um, as far as the offensive line goes, I'm looking up just the overall offensive line grades. Vra- uh, not Vrabel, excuse me. Lawan had a 35.5 uh, uh, PFF grade. Nate Davis actually had a 36.8. I know whenever he's – and this is what's been said of him and even what we saw yesterday. When he's, when he's good, he's good. But when he's bad, he's really bad. And we have quite a few guys that are, that are described like that. Um, if I had my pick as far as how I would line him up, I think Lawan's going to be fun. I think he's going to snap, you know, obviously back into, into form pretty quickly here. Um, at the same time, as far as left guard, I know he's, I know Saffold's played all five positions across the offensive line. I'd be willing to try him at center, move him, move Ben Jones to left guard. Uh, I'd, I'd move Conklin to right guard and I'd put Kelly at right tackle. Um, I don't know. Conklin's one guy that he's just a mystery to me. I know he's leaning as time goes on, he's becoming more and more of that bust that we're all afraid of calling him. Um, or we don't want him to be, I, I should say, but I know, uh, Greg Cross, excuse me, Greg Cosell with, uh, goes on midday when every single, I think once or twice a week, but he talked about how Jack Conklin has basically changed his, his stance. He's a lot more upright. Uh, he's actually praised him for the change. Obviously, he's trying to improve his game. He's trying to be better. It's supposed to help him stand up more upright to help with, with power rushers and bull rushes. Um, but yesterday, I, it seemed like if it was a virus, if it was the flu, everybody had this bug, man. Um, I don't get it. I don't understand how you go one week. so week it's, it's, it's terrible. Um, but I think, uh, yeah, if Keith Carter's not if – he's, if he's sticking around, I would either you know, entertain the idea of moving some pieces around or bench a guy for a certain amount of the game and rotate him back in just to make a point, but just to say, look, we're not we're not doing this. Um, and I, I want to bring this up because you mentioned Andy Levitri too. This has been a, a conversation elsewhere, um, but it's something to me at some point, and we can debate about this, uh, ball and just just to kind of get it out there. But at some point. We have to start looking at ownership as far as the, the, where the problem comes. Because the last 10 years, at least, right, this team has been known for inconsistent football. I mean, fans are dropping left and right. I know a lot of fans I grew up with as a Nashville native, people who had PSLs when McNair and Eddie George were around, and there's countless memories and countless times that they went and had one of the loudest stadiums in the, in the AFC. Uh, you know, just memories on memories. And that's what I think we all as younger people now, as we're getting older, we cling to those memories. Excuse me. Excuse me. Um, but we want to experience that same thing. And as as far as we've known it, what, since 2008 is when they went thir- three and 13. Am I right? Like 2008, they went 13 and three. Yeah. I mean, that year it's, we lost been, yeah. uh, it's been over a decade since we've been, I mean, consist. obviously we won three straight nine and seven years, but I would rather – it's almost like being lukewarm. You know, they say, like, pick a side, hot or cold, be, don't be lukewarm. But to me, it's one of those things. Like, we are floating in this, like, just this limbo of mediocrity. And to me, to be completely honest, I, I know we kind of had a little exchange on Twitter today just talking about – you know, I said, give me some Jerry Jones type of, of, of PR moves for Amy Adams Strunk or some member of the Adams family to come out and say, listen, we're committed to doing – into the right things, to winning, to breaking this cycle. Because here's the fact. These people, the Adams family, are sowing their unrealistically un- incredible amount of money they have into this team. And I don't know if, if they're making a profit. I'm sure they're making some type of profit. But th- in the games I've been to, and Bond, you can speak to this better than I can, this, obviously the stadiums aren't selling out. When's the last time the stadium actually sold out? It was last year for the Patriots game. The whole the whole stadium. Oh no! Last year for the Patriots game. Last year for the Colts game. Week seventeen. So week sold, week, week, 17. week seventeen. I was yeah. there. I was there for that one, and it was it was rowdy. That's probably. It felt like old times last year, week seventeen. And see, that's the thing, man. Like I feel like it's a few and far between. And to be completely honest, news broke of Mariota not being in the game came about what like 
four o'clock that night, and it was a seven o'clock primetime game. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people already bought tickets. Were already probably in town. Were already probably tailgating, just to actually be there. And I'm thinking, how many of those folks would have dropped off had they known that that morning? But oh, again, absolutely. I don't want to be long winded. But at, at what point, Bond, do you have to ask lead more of leadership and ownership to be more active in the the betterment of this organization? I would say this, um, from when Bud Adams passed away, rest in peace, uh, to when Tommy Smith took over. Tommy Smith took over, he destroyed this franchise. He destroyed this franchise for two years, set it back by ten years. Um, just the the not being involved in the community, not being involved in the team, just not showing that he basically did not care. Um, mm-hmm. Amy Adams Strunk is n- by far not the problem. She is as she's an asset to Nashville and this team. She she is believing her trust in John Robinson and Mike Vrabel to run this team efficiently. Mm-hmm. Um, I I personally don't want a Jerry Jones type owner. I want an owner that's going to put the right people in places for this team to succeed. On the marketing aspect of it, Titans have a great marketing team. It's the fact of the Titans need to put a better product on the field. And I kid you not, I kid you not, the Titans put a better product on the field, more people are going to show up to these games. Nissan Stadium is going to be like Bridgestone Arena. It'll be all the home team. It's not going to be, oh, we're going to sell our tickets because we suck. It's the Titans need to put a better product on the team. When they put a better product on the team, even the transplants that have moved to Nashville, they will put that two-tone blue on, and they will help us take over that stadium. But going back to Amy Adams Strunk, definitely, definitely don't need an ownership change. I do um, – there has been reports out there that Kenneth Adams is going to be eventually taking over the Titans – uh, when he when the family feels like he is ready, um, I've had conversations with Kenneth Adams. He's a great guy. Uh, he's a great minded individual. Um, I definitely do see him succeeding in that role of what his grandfather was doing here with the Titans. But I mean, when it comes to ownership, ownership is not the problem. Um, I mean, don't. We, I personally don't want a Jerry Jones type of guy that's going to be arrogant or a Dan Snyder type of guy that's going to just act like no. he, that type of person. You, you're kind of taking two of the most extreme guys. I'm simply saying for a simple PR move, uh, for Amy Adams-Strunk to even like say it happened today that she comes out before Mike Rabel's press conference and says, listen, to all of our fans – and given that whole spiel that we all know what she would say, we're not satisfied where we want to get beyond this hump. We want to go good to great because now good to great has become a joke. It really has become a joke. Good to great is the same level as brick by brick for University of Tennessee. It, it, it really is. And it's one of those same things level. to me. I, I don't want her to come out and start talking about, you know, like Jerry Jones does and Zeke who and all that kind of stuff. And it's a big media, you know, scrum. I just would love to see – to see her, or even if it's Kenneth, Kenneth Adam when the times, excuse me, Kenneth Adams when the time comes, for him to be more of a visible person than someone that just says, "Hey, here's the keys to the Ferrari, John Robinson. You do the thing. You be the guy." Because honestly, it just feels like you know. I, I know they're active in the city, the community, but I would love to. I love to see Amy Armstrong. I mean, the draft was incredible. She did a great job with that. They do so many things so well. The, the the uniform unveiling, they killed it with the uniforms. I'm I'm just saying, as far as in season, I know that the Amy's active through the off season. I would love to see her have a just at least one time whenever Titans fans foot they've been kicked in the gut, and we all come out. I know today a guy was on Twitter saying, "Yeah, I drove from the New England region of the country all the way to Nissan Stadium as a Titans fan to see what happened yesterday." And it's like, dude, that's, you know, and I, I, hell, I live in Chattanooga. I live two and a half hours away. And I'm making, like you mentioned earlier, we've spent so much time and money, you know, making these trips and, and getting these tickets and all the, all the above. But it's at some point, it's like, you know what? I could easily sit on my own couch. I could easily drink my own beer. I could easily eat my own food and watch these games from a distance and not be in person at the stadium. So that's just... You can easily do that. And I kid you not, this was like after the Colts game. No, it was after the Jags game. That thought did go through my head. 
I was like, you know what? Why I'm am not I going? Putting... Yeah, I'm not going anymore. And that's never went through my head. I haven't missed a game in five seasons at Nissan Stadium. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've, we've, I mean, we've been our, in our seats for a very long time. Uh, that thought has never gone through my head at all. As a kid, I've cried over Titans games when they lost. Uh, my mood is always bad on morning, Monday mornings to this day after a Titans loss. I'm that passionate about this team. And not showing up to the stadium has literally gone through my head. Like, hey, after seeing that 110-degree weather, and after sitting in the, through the rain yesterday, it just seems like I could be at my own house watching this game on TV and watching NFL Red Zone at the same time and not even feel heartbroken or waste my money on this team. Um, I'm not one of those fans or not one of those season ticket holders that are like, yeah, I pay these players paychecks. Absolutely not. I choose to spend my money to spend my Sundays at Nissan Stadium. But it was just rough. It was rough. Hey, but I did want to bring up, because obviously there's still – there's conversations about how somehow Marcus could have done more. Uh, there's one person I've been pretty vocal about on Twitter that I want to get to in just a second. But before we do that, um, I do want to talk about how many dropped balls we saw yesterday. And it was kind of out of character for Delaney Walker. Um, there's a couple passes. I think Corey Davis had one. It was kind of the, the 50-50 ball. It was right in front of us balling where – uh, Corey had to kind of jump up over the defender to try and get it in, but he still made contact with it and still fell short. There was a third, I think, third down attempt where Adam Humphreys had the ball, got hit by Edmonds, and dropped the ball. Um, but in what universe do you blame Marcus Mariota in any way as a major factor of the outcome of that game yesterday? Yesterday? Absolutely not. I, Marcus, I mean, I've been vocal about how his play has been inconsistent, but yesterday it was not on Mariota. I, like, I tweeted this out yesterday that Mariota is a thousand percent not the problem of this team. Mm-hmm. Um, your number five pick has to catch those kind of balls. I'm sorry, you were the fifth overall pick. You need to catch those balls. Um, it's. The drops make no sense. I don't know what's going on, uh, but Deion Lewis has to catch has to catch that. Adam Humphreys has to catch that. Um, it's just I don't know, man. Delaney Walker had a couple of drops too. Um, as much as they're like slowing down on using them, but bro, like you're a Pro Bowl tight end, you got to catch those kind of balls, man. Yeah, and here's here's my thing. I'm gonna take a, a second. I'm gonna just ask for the floor. Uh, yeah, just to have everyone kind of lean in and enjoy this part of the show because every every time I go to Nashville, obviously I drive right back to Chattanooga to see my wife, my kids, kiss you know, kiss everybody, and let's go to bed. I for the second time this season, the Colts game being the first, yesterday being the second, I listened to one hundred four five the zone, and I listened to love Mickey Ryan, love three HL, what he brings to them. Kevin Dyson jumps on, and my guy Blaine Bishop jumps on. Takes the – I mean, I'm driving this two-and-a-half-hour drive, and I, I'm trying to hold out for some callers just to hear their opinions, so on and so forth. And Blaine Bishop, I, I don't understand it. I think I've got a theory about it because the guy continually – and believe you all know me. If, it, if you follow us on Titan Twitter and you keep up with everybody, I have been raked over the coals so many times, so many times for being a Marcus Moda hater. Right, I'm I'm the first guy to line up whenever Marcus is to blame. I'm the first one to call his name, and here we are, week five now, going to week six. Marcus has yet to turn the ball over. Yesterday was an absolute shit show. Kicker, coaching, no idea why you put. You know, I don't. We haven't talked about this, but it's kind of been beaten, beaten as far as putting putting uh, Kairos back out there. But Blaine Bishop still clings and dies on the hill to say. Marcus has to do more to elevate his teammates, has to do more to execute better and to get them out of that hole. And there, man, Ball, and you and I both know this, brother. There are numerous, numerous, all 22 shots of this offensive line falling over, diving after defenders, trying to block them for the sake of Marcus Murray. There was one play, one play where Marcus held the ball too long. There was one play where he got a face mask that wasn't called. There was numerous officiating things. How in the hell, Blaine Bishop, if somehow, some way you hear this, are you still trying to blame Marcus Mariota? The guy, as much as we've given him hell, 
The guy's probably been one of the, the better factors of this team. Yes, he's done enough. Yes, he looked good. He looked great last week. He looked elite last week. But to say that he has to do anything more than what this team required of him yesterday is an absolute joke. To say, for anyone saying, Marcus made a dumb mistake, you should have tucked the ball and run versus throwing the ball to A.J. Brown to an, a wide-open receiver in the end zone, it's foolish to me. It's coulda, woulda, shoulda. You can look at all the film and say, well, he should have done this. If anybody wants to suit up next week, and even in your backyard, go out and play and, and talk about coulda, woulda, shouldas. It happens, man. It's a part of the game. But I have a theory. I believe that Blaine Bishop sticks around and almost enjoys the fact that these Tennessee Titans teams, these current teams, struggle the way they do because it makes his t- his t- stint as a player back in the glory days that we all love to talk about and clean. Those teams look better, sound better, and believe me, man, Aaron McNair and Eddie George are legends. I'm not taking anything away from those guys. But for the love Lay off this team because you had one of the best players, the best player in Titans history, and so many good guys around him. It was a different area. It was a different stint. It was a different time. And like the Tennessee Volunteers, they're coming out of 10 years of absolute dysfunction, which Bond talked about with Tommy Smith driving this Titanic into the iceberg, man. It's enough. I can't take it. I'm, I, I officially, as much as I listen to 104.5 The Zone, if I hear Blaine Bishop's voice, I'm changing the channel. I love you guys, uh, but that's kind of my my rant, my mic drop moment. So, Bowen, whoa, it's all whoa, yours, whoa, 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 that was a that, hey Trey, you're reaching right there, bro. You got to you're reaching right there. I don't think I'm reaching think, with what? I don't think Blaine is wanting these team Titans teams to not be successful, uh, not succeeding. So it goes back to his glory days. I don't think bro. Blaine Blaine is like Blaine wants this team to succeed. He's not like another former safety that used to put on a Titans uniform um, that shall be unnamed. Um, he's not like that. Um, Bro, Blaine it makes his teams to... look better because they were so good. Oh, and this team is uh, let trash. Me, let me finish my point. Let me finish my point. When Blaine was talking about the kid, like, the, like he wants Marcus to do more. As a franchise quarterback, as a game changer, as a game changer – you need to do more. No matter if your team is struggling, if your O-line play is struggling, you got to do more. Um, Deshaun Watson, for example, plays behind a horrible offensive line. Not as uh, bad as the Titans this year. Hey, his O-line is not – he's probably as bad as the Titans. Uh, but he does extra plays for his team and his consistency to play better. He, he does – he's more consistent. Mariota, I love Mariota. I'm Mariota homer. But – what Blaine goes back to that is Mariota does not make a difference. He's an average quarterback in this league. He's not a franchise quarterback, Trey. That's well, what that's about what the fact Blaine that goes his guys that. dropped balls left and right. His offensive line was garbage, and when they have the opportunity to score and get points with field goals, they he missed. Kairos missed. Right. I don't know what else he can do besides. I mean, here's the thing: we saw it last week. When he was on and the offensive line did their job, he is that guy. Do I think he's – am I convinced today that he's the he is the franchise quarterback and pay him $200 million? No. I st- obviously, there's still a lot of time left, so I'm not going to say that right now. But the fact is, I'm sick of hearing Blaine Bishop talk about and, – and I mean, here's the thing, dude. You, you know, me and Austin Stanley have aided if you count five different guys on the offensive line as each individual reasons why, as far as issues from yesterday's game, then you got the kicker, got the head coach. Mario is at least number seven or number eight on that list as far as the issues, and they want to talk about how Marcus Mariota could have done more. It's like saying the sky is blue to me, man. It's like it's an obvious yes, you could have, and what is it? It's like could have, would have, should have, man. It, it just irritates me for an hour and a half of my drive to hear the same crap. And even this morning on Wake Up Zone, it's like, y'all, and I'm hearing people left and right on Twitter, man. I can't take this guy. I'm turning this stuff off. Look, if Marcus is bad, I will call him bad. I'm, and you know that, Bond. Yeah, absolutely. But to say that dude needs to do more with that kind of offensive line, I don't care who it is. And keep in mind, this same defense made, made Tom Brady look pedestrian, right? Absolutely. So, like, it's a, it's, that's a reach to me. I mean, I, would, I mean, like I said, I going back to what I said earlier. It's Marcus is was by far 
not the problem or the main issue yesterday. He was not that. But I feel like it just goes back to the consistency. Marcus, one game, he pulls off and does so much for his team. He carries his team over no matter what struggles and everything that's happening. And then you have another game, he is an average quarterback. Um, but like I said, it's 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 a debate that can go on for hours and hours and hours. Uh, but I mean, when it comes to one like the one hundred four point five is on the guys. I would I would say is they're talking about the consistency and what Blaine talked about this morning. It's it's not referring to just the game yesterday. A franchise quarterback does definitely no matter what struggles are happening, he has to do more. But his support system, as you said has to help him as well. Um, but, but we I know mean, what hey, he is when the team's around him. Absolutely. When the team's on, he's on. Yeah. Boy, I, I just not, think it's a lazy thing not. to say. I just think it's lazy to say of all these issues, of all the stupidity that happened yesterday, with the officiating included. Yeah. To say to say Marcus needs to do more, it's just it's just it's too much. But we'll 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 back off and we'll we'll move on from that. But yeah, if you're on Twitter, if you listen to this podcast, be sure to give us a shout out. Let us know what you guys think about any of these topics, and we can go kind of wrap this thing up here, Ballin, since we're getting close to our hour mark. Uh, first off, thank you for everyone listening to the podcast. Uh, I'm Trey Wynn. You can find me on Twitter at T R E S W I N N. Make sure and also follow Chat Ten Sports on Twitter. Ballin, where can the folks find you online, brother? Ballin. K-L-E, uh, that is B-A-L-L-I-N-K-L-E on all social platforms. Uh, if you look at my Twitter account, you will see me slam, picking up a Bills fan and slamming him on the table. Uh, and let me know how you feel about that. That was probably my highlight of my weekend. Hey, but everybody, thank you so much for checking us out. Make sure to subscribe, share this podcast with your friends who you think might enjoy Absolutely. it. Of course, interact with us online. We thank you guys so much. For this week's episode of Tighten Up Talk, I'm Trey Wynn. And I'm balling. Have a great week, y'all. We'll see y'all next week.